Welcome to the China Flexpad Podcast. Ramesh, uh, it's really nice to have you on the call. And to be honest, I know it's a bit of a difficult topic, but Patrick and I are Germans, and we've always been surrounded by Germans, and then the odd American and Australian. And we've always tried to get some people from other places in Asia, India, and also maybe Southeast Asia, uh, South Korea, Japan, and now you're the first representative of India, and it's really nice to have you. So with your international experience, can you please share why did you decide to come to China? That's a good question. Thanks a lot, uh, Francis. The reason why I moved to China is is multifold. When I got the offer to move to China, uh, it I did hesitate in the beginning because I was sitting in Mexico and I was quite comfortable doing what I was doing. At the same time, I did want to look up something new and very challenging. But China was not an easy challenge to even to begin with. But then I took the call to come to China because if not now, then I don't think I would have ever moved to China in the future. What really attracted me to move to China when, when the offer was given to me to set up a new startup kind of a Bosch unit uh, within the big Bosch, uh, what really attracted me was how to really uh, break the China market into the digital topic that I was supposed to take over here. Uh, digital transformation topics or how to really begin working in China for certain engineering services for automotive that we wanted to provide for. And we all had heard about China, but but I really felt that, you know, I have to experience it, uh, succeed in the China market, handle technology challenges, understand their speed and execution, which they are quite renowned for. And I felt if not now, I wouldn't get this opportunity later. So I, re I decided to kind of take the plunge, which I can tell you that many people after about 24, 25 years of experience would kind of hesitate to do, uh, especially uh, coming from India. But I thought that this is a wonderful opportunity and uh, let me lap it up. So that is the reason why I took it up. Thank you very much. Uh, so how do you get treated in China? as an Indian professional? How I get treated is definitely a very interesting one because uh, it's not the same that you or your colleagues, Francis, might have experienced from Germany. For Indians, I wouldn't try to sugarcoat it. It's not going to be easy for any Indian coming here, experienced or uh, juniors. It would be even more difficult if you're a fresher. Uh, but I feel that difficulty is in the first few years and not really later. So how I get treated today is with a certain amount of curiosity, a certain amount of respect for IT knowledge, for a certain amount of uh, uh, English-speaking uh, interactions and working experience in the West that a lot of Indians have had. Uh, but so much for it, it doesn't really go beyond that. Uh, you have to really earn your respect in China. Uh, some of the questions that they ask is, did I straight away come from India to China or am I coming from another country? That's quite typical. One thing that the Chinese would want to know but might not put it in so many words is, how long back did I come here? And what they really mean to know is, how long more will I want to be in China? Am I here just for the short term or am I here for the long haul? If they understand that you're here for the long haul, you want to understand the China way, 
you want to do business in China for the long term, they are much more comfortable. I'm, I'm talking purely in a professional context and a business context. Uh, but honestly, uh, to a fellow Indian uh, who would be possibly be listening to this podcast, I can tell you that a lot of Chinese do not have a very great amount of detail about India and Indians. They've heard about some things, but they've not really experienced working with a lot of Indians, except a very small number. Uh, so for Chinese, it's not the same as knowing Germans or Europeans with whom they have been dealing with for a much longer time. Well, you're just talking about Europeans and Americans, and you've really been around the planet. So what is it like working in China compared to other countries? For me, that is definitely a great learning, and I was looking forward to it. I'd heard so much about that. For me, having worked in the U.S., having worked in Germany, and also with other Europeans, when I compare that to working in China, uh, for one, I can tell you that they look at business very differently. They look at speed of response very differently. They're really good at that. Uh, the Chinese way of thinking of scaling up a business, scaling up a topic, scaling up an opportunity is quite different from how uh, Germany or France looks at it because they go in a very methodical way. Here they are really good in grabbing business opportunities and making the best of it in, in a very short time. Uh, when it comes to the American way versus the Chinese way, I, I can only say that the Americans also look for results, uh, not so much the processes and methods like how Central Europe does. But China doesn't really bother about so much the methods. They're more result-oriented, I would say very highly result-oriented, very flexible, quite a stretch when it comes to working long hours or quick responses to topics, uh, weekends if, if the situation demands it. For them, they don't have a lot of patience waiting and going step by step. They want to sometimes bypass certain steps because they don't find a lot of meaning in doing it. And for them, it's very important to focus on the key result. If things change, situation change, they change very quickly according to it to still achieve the objective. That, I would say, is the first top-level uh, learning, and, and that's something that every foreigner from any part of the world should keep in mind uh, when coming to China. Now, you just shared a little bit about what you found in, in China, also talking about long hours. Uh, Chinese like to talk about jiu jiu liu, right? Yes, 996, yeah. How can Indians differentiate on the China job market? In terms of the job market, I would say that Indians uh, will have to do certain things that they are good at very well and certain things they need to change or adapt in a way that can be attractive to the market. Uh, the first thing I would suggest to any fellow Indian who is probably applying for a job in China directly to come here, unlike my situation because I came as an expat, I came as an internal transfer, etc., but for somebody coming in as a, as a new joinee with certain amount of experience, I would suggest this. First is, come across as a pure professional. What that means is you should be really good in your content, in your subject matter, in whatever sphere of, of working you are in. Uh, have a great presentation skill because uh, one thing that you need to have to impress on the Chinese is that you're very articulate, you're very presentable, as well as your presentation skills are really good. You are not very wishy-washy, you are not very beating about the bush kind of person, 
but to the point and, and come up with the right use cases, right examples, right methods. If you have to go into the depth, do that, but do it with a lot of substantiation. So that shows your content. It shows your clarity of thought. If you're from an engineering area, show your engineering depth. If you are coming from uh, automotive, show your automotive depth. Even if you work with Indian OEs, that's perfectly fine. But show your depth. Uh, of course, the Chinese value working with Germans and Europeans more. That you can also compensate by uh, showing up how you worked with foreign companies. If you worked in a foreign company in India, highlight it. If you work with foreign customers in your current or the previous job, highlight that. Understand how you are flexible in understanding the cultural aspects and, and presenting that, very important. And show an ability that you can manage the variation in China, the flexibility and the long hours and the result orientation uh, expected in China. Because Indians are also good in in being result-oriented, provided they are given that kind of direction. The other aspects that I would like to highlight is be very good in your dressing in terms of uh, professionalism. The Chinese themselves may or may not be always dressed professionally, especially in an engineering scenario. But I would suggest fellow Indians to be well-groomed, well-dressed, well-presentable, because they do value that. Make your language, even if you're going to obviously talk in English right from the beginning, uh, to be very smooth in a way that your English is quite easily understandable to an average Chinese. I can tell you that, that even though Indians do think that we are very good in talking English and communicating in English, I can tell you that a lot of international audience find it difficult to understand the kind of English that uh, Indians speak with the heavy influence of mother tongue accent. So try to neutralize that and try to speak in a way that is quite easily understandable to any international audience, especially so to China. Because one of the things they expect you to talk is in English, and of course learn Chinese during the course of working here. But if that English is not easily understandable, then they find it very difficult to justify how to take a person from India to an employment in China. So your technical content matters, but your language communication equally matters. The third aspect I would say is communication beyond the language in terms of communication which is not really clearly expressed because Chinese are very intuitive speakers. They think that by expressing something you would be able to understand what's behind it, what is coming after that, what is expected naturally. And Indians also to an extent are intuitive communicators uh, in general. Of course when Indians work with the West they expect a very clear communication and they adapt to it. But when you have to work with the Chinese, then you have to work with a lot of intuitive communication. Expect what is not clearly told to you, but go a mile, uh, go a step further to fulfill that. That gives a lot of confidence to a Chinese that you understand it. Do your homework during interviews, but also when you come and work here, be prepared for things that are not always written down on paper. Uh, milestones and deadlines changing quite, quite uh, haphazardly. Be prepared for that. Do not show your frustration or do not show that things cannot be done. Uh, the Chinese bosses always want to hear that things can be done. The question is how, what, but not a clear no, because they expect that, okay, things have been decided at the top and so it needs to be done. So in a way, I would say compared to, a Chinese, uh, to an Indian uh, modern company, uh, which is working with the West, 
or with multinationals in India, China is far more hierarchical, especially the local Chinese companies. And to some extent, the multinationals operating in China with Chinese bosses are more hierarchical than you get in India. So be, be prepared for it and, and showcase your willingness to work on it. From a technical content point of view, I can tell you that compared to engineering in IT, in ERP, in pure software development and embedded software development, I would say India is probably uh, a level better, but the Chinese do not know that aspect about India. So you need to be prepared to exhibit that, showcase your knowledge, go to the depths that you need to, uh, and at the same time be very visual in your presentation. So. Uh, when you explain to, to, to Chinese bosses and, and to China team, be more visual in terms of screenshots, in terms of demos. Don't be very verbose in your presentations, in your slides, in your, in your explanations. They are not very verbal people. They like to see uh, a lot more uh, visual aspects of any, any topic. And, and that, if you bring into your way of working, they'll appreciate it a lot. So these are some of the things. I'm not saying I've covered everything, but probably some that come to the top of my mind as an Indian when working in China. What I also want to, to point out is that you come from the automotive industry, if I'm correct, right? So is there any industry that you would say people have an advantage, uh, people from India have an advantage if they come from this industry because it's especially strong in China, looking lots for foreign talent, maybe have some special need for outside talent. Have you met friends or, you know, just share your ideas. Which industry is pretty strong for Indian flexpats, like we like to call them, flexible expats, expats that don't come with an expat package? Coming to the technical and the domain aspects, yes, I do work in automotive. The areas that I handle personally are digital transformation topics, industrial digital in particular. Uh, I also work with my team on automotive engineering uh, services to be sold in China and get business in China. And the third uh, pillar of what we do is more related to niche IT areas. Uh, now, let me take it one by one. If you're really talking about automotive engineering, I would say that where Indians can definitely show their advantage is in automotive software, especially when they're coming from another OE, automotive OE manufacturing. Uh, if they can display more of end-to-end -end knowledge, uh, more of depth in HMI topics, in uh, automated driving topics, at least in level three, e-architecture, niche areas in powertrain solutions with depth in that, functional safety, active safety, etc. will also help in, in showcasing their knowledge. If they definitely can show an EV-related topic, because China is big on uh, electric mobility, so if they can really talk electric mobility and EV-related battery management system kind of uh, areas, uh, they will definitely get a head, a head start here. Now, when it comes to how to impress the, the typical Chinese employer, I would say that sometimes you may or may not have got an opportunity sitting in India to have worked on very advanced areas, which probably somebody coming from Germany or Europe would, in which case you will have to upskill yourself uh, before you apply and, and convince an employer, that uh, prospective employer, that you can't really do wonders there because you've got the depth in that domain, 
uh, and you understand the latest concepts. If you're coming from industrial digital, equally you can do this, provided you're able to showcase much more depth in the, mod in the latest areas like digital twin, using machine learning for some of the uh, digital industrial topics that you could build for an organization internally. I would say that industrial digital is a little harder for an Indian coming to an OE manufacturing company unless they are really big and unless they want to create their own team. If you want a Chinese service provider organization, they might question as to why I should take from India. So you need to have the knowledge beyond the regular sensors, uh, beyond the regular MES, where you could probably talk if you are from the software background that you've got very good knowledge on Python programming plus you're very good on software engineering coming from C or .NET or Java. If you're really coming from machine learning, more from the statistics background, then you need to convince a prospective employer who is specialized into algorithms and softwares that you bring that knowledge and you're worked in a manufacturing sector and you know how to use it. If you're working in IT or ERP areas, definitely you have an advantage that you can showcase that you're very strong on software engineering, you've built complex softwares. Uh, you're not just coming as a programmer, you're coming to probably manage software projects with DevOps, with interface uh, building skills, integration to ERPs and so on. If you're coming from the ERP area, I would say SAP is still attractive, but not as attractive as it is in India and Europe, where it probably occupies 80% of the market. In China, it is about 20%. So in that case, you need to choose which kind of big companies you want to apply to as a service provider. Uh, there are some big teams that have their internal SAP teams, but then they may expect you to know Chinese from day one, but you can still apply and see. But they do value this knowledge if you're able to show end-to-end -end processes, how good they, you are in managing different kinds of processes, etc. Uh, and how you have been a specialist in certain areas. One thing I can always tell for any of these streams is that you have to give the confidence that you can learn Chinese, uh, at least manageable Chinese, in, in the first one year so that you can better interact with your co-workers and bosses and you can probably speak a certain amount of Chinese in by the second year. Even though I'm not the right example for it, I'm still struggling to learn it and probably in my case I have the advantage of having a translator with me, I have a sales team that speaks Chinese. Uh, but if, if somebody is coming as a flexpat, a flexible expat coming from India to join a Chinese company, I would say that they have to somehow get the basics conversational Chinese uh, through apps and other ways sitting in India to impress upon an employer. And later once they come in to, to speak the Chinese, and I can tell you with, with my experience of meeting other Indians who are working in automotive companies, like Geely, like Great Wall Motors, uh, like uh, Guangzhou Automotive or, or others who are, which are purely Chinese OEs, that I've met Indians who do speak Chinese, who are in responsible managerial positions uh, in different areas, and uh, they've also jumped from one company to the other because uh, they've understood the market and have understood their skill set and their utility. So I think it's very much possible and I would say that one of the strengths for Indians is to be positive and to be flexible and learn quickly. I can also, one more tip I have to give to uh, fellow Indians who would want to come is that 
in China, you have to keep upgrading your skills in whichever topic you are in uh, much faster than you think you had to do in India because there you are a service provider, you get international projects and so on. Here you're doing more and more projects either for the company you're employed in or a service provider to customers. And the competition in China is, is ferocious, to put it mildly, which means that you have to keep upgrading your personal uh, technical skills uh, and ensure that if your company is finding you replaceable because they can find that skill in the market, you need to upgrade yourself. And if you don't find yourself in that company longer to be there in, in, for your own good, then you should also make your moves quickly to go to other companies, so other organizations. So I would say in, in China, about three years average in a company in an organization is good enough. That's really, really a depth of knowledge. So I'm very impressed. I guess a, a boss should be careful that you don't uh, change jobs and stay in China. <laughs> My goodness. I'm sure Geely would be happy to have you. So um, is there anything you would like to leave as a special recommendation to any talented flexpat who wants to follow you and come to China just by themselves without a, a sending a, an expat package from the company just to come here, start, uh, make it in China? What's your recommendation? For any flexpat from any country, I would say China is definitely land of opportunities, but equally there are challenges, there are local competition. Keep that in mind. Chinese people are very helpful at the same time. They're not uh, typically how you understand uh, from the West. So uh, they're very helpful, but they also keep to themselves. They, they will help you out and you need to understand the local ecosystem quite fast. It's quite user-friendly except for the language part. In terms of the China-India relation, I think that could also be a question specific to fellow Indians, is that uh, right now the situation is not so good. We all understand that. Uh, we all hope it, it uh, gets resolved in everybody's benefit. Uh, and, and if that happens, I would say that uh, you, know, you should look at China probably by the Q1 of next year, Q2 of next year, and do the preparation and the homework before. For any other flexpat, I would have a similar advice uh, in terms of depth, in terms of structure, in terms of language. One thing I can tell you is that uh, sometimes you don't have to be extremely structured in China because you might not get answers from the people from whom you expect it. So follow your structure, but follow it up to a point and then go for the results. You, you have, it's, it's like how the Chinese manufacturing is, that many of them design for cost and not really for the lifetime. Similarly, you need to see the purpose for which uh, a certain initiative, certain project, certain activity is happening and put your efforts accordingly. Speed, flexibility, uh, ability to change, understand and be intuitive in your thinking. I think these are very important and keep upgrading your technical skills uh, equally. Yeah, that would be my overall advice. And as much as I'm saying it, I'm trying to follow it myself. Uh, I'm definitely not at there. It's been only one and a half years in China, so we are all trying our best. But this would be my honest advice to anybody. Hey, thanks a lot, Francis. Thanks for having me here and hope this benefits a lot of people. Thank you. This was the China FlexPad podcast. I am Patrick. And I am Francis. We share the best advice of professionals in China to help you find a successful career path in China. 
our guests tell you real-life problems and possible solutions for your professional and personal life in China. Thank you for listening and we hope you'll come back for the next episode. If you don't want to miss the next episode and enjoy more China and career-related content, connect with us on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. And 再见。